Welcome to the Power of a Woman podcast. This podcast is centered around helping you reclaim and finding yourself as a woman, connecting with how you want to feel in your life and body, and changing the narrative on not only how we approach health for women, but also how we treat ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves. I'm so grateful you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back. We are weeks into January now. I have brought a guest in with me today, my husband. For those of you that don't know, we met in the fitness field. And we're going to talk about something today that he's pretty good at speaking to. We're going to talk about your nervous system and how stress can have some consequences on it. And we'll, mostly we're going to walk through what we really mean by stress, right? Because we're not talking about the one time that you had a bad day, we're talking about the daily chronic stressors that you may or may not even realize that you, you, your body, your mind are enduring on a daily basis and the implications that it's having on your body. We run into people often who are sitting in what we would call like sympathetic overdrive, essentially. Their, their body is under chronic stressors. Your nervous system has two main ways of responding, your sympathetic response or your parasympathetic response. and I'm going to let my husband explain those and introduce himself first, but we're going to go through those and then we're going to go through what are the ways that you can really work around it, right? So it's one thing to be aware. We can't change our stressors though, right? So if you have a job or you deal with driving and traffic or you have young kids or whatever stage of life you're in, how can you actually work yourself through those things so we can maybe lessen the response or the impact on your body? So as Brooke said, my name is Adam. And just jumping right into the nervous system. So as Brooks spoke to sympathetic and parasympathetic, the quick way to reference both of these is your sympathetic is your, your fight or flight. And now it's, it goes into fight, flight, freeze, but nonetheless, your response to stress. So if a lion walked into the room right now, you would go into fight or flight mode. Um, your body would send out a bunch of signals called hormones to really create the response needed, whether it's running away from this tiger or lion or fighting it, whatever it might be. Then there's the parasympathetic nervous system. This is your rest, recovery, and digestion side of really the nervous system. It allows you to repair everything done that happened during the sympathetic time. It also helps you to digest your foods, repair muscle tissues, create memories, all of these things that, that have to happen within relaxation times or even sleep. So with those two systems in play, this, this sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, what Brooke is speaking to is this chronic overload of staying in fight or flight. The problem becomes is over time, like she alluded to, we become callous to how that feels or the symptoms that are happening. So, you know, you going about your life, you're saying, well, that's just how it is. My, you know, I have poor sleep and that's just how it goes. I'm kind of tired. My digestion is kind of funny. Like all these symptoms are happening, but you feel it's normal life, but you've been living in a chronic stress or a chronic sympathetic nervous system overdrive. So as we dive into how to work with these things and how to combat these things or manage your stress to take you into your parasympathetic, the other kind of area I want to speak to is is a term we use called allostatic load or this idea of how much stress your body, mind, and just you can, can take on before these symptoms arise, before it becomes a chronic stress that really poses a lot of uh, detrimental things with your health. So allostatic load, if you have a maybe a cup in front of you or 
a glass in front of you. Imagine it's an empty glass and every time you had a stressful moment, whether it's you got cut off in traffic or you ate something that was poor with your digestion system or you, you got an injury because you slipped on the ice. All those things pour a little bit of water into your cup. And then over time, if we don't either A, find a way to manage that stress so pour out of that cup, or B, create a larger cup so we can endure more stress, then we become these, this cup becomes over full. After a while, that becomes chronic, and then symptoms start to arise. So those are just some pieces to understand as we, we start to explore, okay, I'm in my sympathetic broken atom now what do I do how do I go about this and, and what are ways that I can help manage my stress and or bring down that allostatic load or get a bigger cup if you will to manage or to to take on that stress you know simple little things you can do in your day-to-day and then there is you know bigger things that you can do like on a weekly bi-weekly monthly monthly basis that you can work I like to refer to them more as energy management rather than like stress management because it's all energy at the end of the day. And you either are, you know, in a space of positive or negative energy, essentially. And we're really trying to work to, for lack of a better word, or I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like rewire the way that your body is responding or the energy and support that energy management. So the first component is, you know, you can't keep going the way you're going, right? So you really have to look at what are my priorities? And one of the simplest things that you can do is really just start to look at how are the things that are in my daily life making me feel? Like just check your gut response when it comes to things. Start to take note and really one of the best things that you can ever do in your life is start to be really mindful and not just go day to day mindlessly. So really start to tune into like, all right, I have this task coming up. Do I have a gut response to that task? Like, am I dreading it? Am I trying to procrastinate it? Am I feeling anxious about it? Am I stressing about it? Really tuning into like, what are those gut responses that I'm getting in my day-to-day things? Or, you know, I have this one thing coming up that I'm really excited about and I can't wait for, or what are the things in my day-to-day and how much in my day-to-day is more of that like negative gut response or how much of it is the like excited joy flows with ease type of a response. And then if you do that, a lot of us are probably going to find that there's a lot of stress or a lot of like avoidance or a lot of procrastination or, you know, anxiety around doing something. And so those are going to give you some really good indicators of how much energy management you need in your week and in your day. The more times you have those gut responses that are making you feel anxious, stressed, whatever, the more probably energy management you need in your day or week. So it's really looking at first, what does my energy look like during the week? And then really starting to prioritize where where that energy is going. You know, you could do all the breath work in the world, but if you're still trying to give your energy to all these things that are like sucking the life out of you, then there's no breath work in the world that's going to shift that, right? A part of stress sometimes is not necessarily the stress itself, but our perception of the stress that can play a role. So really look at your week ahead. And this takes 15 minutes on a Sunday to sit down and look at here's the things that I have coming up this week. Here are my priorities this week. If all else falls apart, what are my priorities this week that I'm really going to tune into? And you need to be one of those priorities. So list out three to five and you need to be one of those. 
And then you can do nightly recaps at the end of each evening, 10 minutes, maybe, you know, if you're single, you live with a partner or whatever, you can sit down either by yourself or with them and go through, here's how my day went. Here's how it felt. Here's what I have to do tomorrow and really plan those things out. And then this is a really good time to start to incorporate and assess what are the the stress supports or nervous system response um, supports things that I need. Sometimes they might be physical. Sometimes they might be mental. And I like to have our clients break them up a little bit. Meaning if I have a lot more mental stress in my day or my week, then some of my nervous system supports might be along the lines of some of the the mental stress ones that we're going to break down for you. If I have a lot more physical stress in my week, meaning like my workouts are really hard, or, you know, I've got a demanding, physically demanding job, or I've got young kids, I don't really sit down during the week, I might have some more physical stress support in there too. But know that these two can also be very interchangeable. And you should probably have a combination of both when it comes to your week. So things I like to break up from a mental stress support standpoint, breath work can be a really, really great one. And this is, you can do this multitude of ways. You can do box breathing, which is one of the most common. And this is something that you can take with you anywhere. If you're sitting in your car, if you're at work in a stressful meeting, if you get an email that just annoys you or frustrates you or gives you anxiety when it comes over, you know, if you're in an argument, whatever it is, box breathing can be something that can immediately work to help support. Box breathing, probably heard it explained multiple ways, but in simple ways is four breaths in through your nose hold it for four, let it go for four and repeat. And you should start to feel that starting to bring you down a little bit. Other ways that you can do breath work. One of my favorites is somatic breath work. This is one that we have like in our backend platform for our clients to do when it's necessary. But this is usually a longer, more intense session. It's not laying there relaxing like you're in meditation. It, it is work. But when you're in those, you can literally feel the energy shifting in your body when you're in a somatic breath work session. Those are two really, really awesome ones that I have personally really benefited from and really like to incorporate. Other ones that we forget about, or sometimes our clients will even resist is journaling. I resisted this for a really long time, but it also has been one of the most beneficial things to do. Just sitting down a journal. And sometimes a thought can be like, well, what do I even write about? You just start writing. You literally, I don't care if pineapple is the first thing that comes to your head. You just start writing stuff out. And you might be surprised at what starts to come out. But journaling, you can use journal prompts. You could easily just Google journal prompts if you wanted to. But you can just start journaling things out. You can do like shadow work journals are a really good place to start. If you need prompts and things of ways to start working through things. But for mental stress, those can be some really great ones. Otherwise, leaving your phone at home and getting outside and just taking a walk and getting some fresh air, go to a park, get around nature as close to nature as you can possibly get and just ditch the electronics and just get outside. That can be an awesome one for mental stress as well. And the physical stress side of things, when those become a burden, I mean, the, the very quick and, and practical ones that you've probably heard before, um, looking into massage, looking into maybe chiropractic to create some more balances of the body then it might be anything from Epsom salt baths, you know, getting into a warm bath that allows you to one, relax the Epsom salt that will help absorb magnesium into your body, which will help relax your muscles and also repair tissue um, is another big proponent of, of an Epsom salt bath. We in our household enjoy like hot, cold contrast. 
it's a nice central nervous system reset that allows you to have that little bit of shock to the body with it getting into the, the sympathetic with the cold and then the, the warm bringing you back into the parasympathetic and allowing your body to regulate itself is a huge one. And then from there, just you're looking at your workouts and understanding where you're at. Or if you're in a sympathetic nervous system state, in a chronic sympathetic state, maybe looking at your workouts of if I do less now, I'll benefit more in the long run. Instead of saying, I have to work as hard as I can right now, I have to sweat really hard or whatever it might be and have an intense workout. Maybe you're doing a lot more harm than good, though it feels instant gratification of I sweat a lot. So making sure we understand what workouts you're doing, um, when we're doing them and, and working around that. Um, another thing about breath work, just a brainy part of me always wants to speak into these things. So with breath, if you think of a nice little tool to have in your, your tool belt is your inhale is actually a trigger for your sympathetic nervous system, where your exhale is actually a trigger for your parasympathetic nervous system. So again, you're breathing in, it's often kicking in that fight or flight, or you're getting into that more awake and active, where the exhale is more of that repair, recover, and rest. So the longer the exhale, the more we can trigger into that parasympathetic nervous system. So whenever you are breathing, whether you're in the car, you just got cut off, think long, deep exhales will be extremely beneficial. One of the ones that has probably gotten a lot more, I guess, publicity lately, but has been around for a while is cold therapy. That can be really beneficial. One of my favorite things to do during the week, if you follow my social media, you've probably seen it, is take a salt bath. I take a salt bath two to three times a week and I finish in a cold shower every time. But we have also gone and done cold plunging before. I'll let you can speak to the benefits of cold plunging a lot more than I can. But this is a this one it has so many more studies coming out about it, but it can also be a really beneficial way to immediately make a response or difference with your nervous system. Yeah. So so as I was speaking to earlier, the the idea of generating a a reset for your central nervous system is the easiest way I speak to it. And allowing both your nervous system to to go into that shock state with like the cold water, every anybody who's jumped into a cold lake, jumped into a cold shower, a very cold pool in a, on a hot summer day, there's that instant shock um, that you feel and your body goes into this overdrive. And then as it acclimates, it comes back down from that. So Brooke, when she comes out of that cold shower after the, the warm bath, her body has to regulate its temperature, its core temperature, and bring it back up, which usually starts bringing you into a parasympathetic nervous system state or this kind of rest relaxation state. And that's what we're looking at is having that that we need that stress and then coming out of that to bring ourselves back down to regulate ourselves. You know, as we were talking about allostatic load and, and creating a larger cup so you can manage more stress, the idea of a cold plunge, the idea of a hard workout or an intense workout, they often speak to studies of individuals that do certain things like this, that, that do the, the hard, grueling tasks or the uncomfortable things. Their actual perception of stress is actually smaller because They've created a larger cup saying, well, this stress isn't so bad compared to that hard workout I did, compared to having to do the cold contrast every morning, compared to blank. So the idea of managing stress doesn't mean just do relaxing stuff. Doesn't mean just get massages, sit by the beach all day long. We have to, to endure tough things um, or uncomfortable things, I should say, and maybe kind of lean into that discomfort so we can understand this perception of how this stress actually is in my life. So that's the, the big one about cold contrast. And, and again, 
another one now that we're talking about cold and hot sauna is an amazing one and and the, the research behind sauna and the decrease of all-cause mortality and the increase of lifespan and decrease of stress is, is huge and um, so that's another one that putting into your daily life for a physical de-stress as well clarify the type of sauna though because mm-hmm. i get this question a lot not a wet sauna we're not talking about a steam room or a wet sauna we're talking about a high heat dry sauna an infrared sauna with high temperature you need a higher heat sitting in some lukewarm you know room with steam blowing in your face might feel really good and it might be relaxing but it's not eliciting the response that Adam's talking about yeah that was huge and and it kind of goes into the the leaning into discomfort if we're doing things that are probably very very comfortable in the short term the right now the instant gratification just not saying it's it's all bad but definitely understand like, hey, me going into this hot, very hot sauna and hitting into those heat chakras and then allowing my body to have to really endure a little bit more stress allows you to do great or to create a larger cup for you to be able to pour in more stress. Also, again, all the health benefits that come with it. And the big, the big thing that Brooke and I are speaking to is balancing out stress, balancing out how much stress you're taking on and your ability to endure that stress. So creating more balances with it, with your body, your mind, and all those aspects. The thing I think to keep in mind too, when we're talking about that is, you know, everything that we do is a stressor. And it's either having a positive or negative impact on our body. Exercise is a stress. Dieting is a stress. If you put yourself in a calorie deficit, it's a stressor on your body. Driving in traffic is a stress, right? You know, all of these different things are stressors. It's the difference of whether or not it's something having a positive or negative impact on you is how chronic it is to you and your ability to recover from that stressor. So the exercise that you do should be a match to the external stressors in your life. And that means that you cannot be so emotionally attached to the actions that you're taking to get you to where you want to be. I had to learn this lesson the hard way that even though I might enjoy a certain type of workout, that certain type of workout is not beneficial for my body right now. It is creating a bigger issue than it is benefit, right? So that workout is actually not benefiting my health in the way that I want to work out to benefit my health as much as if I have to scale the way I'm doing something. But I had to learn to not be emotionally attached to the type of workout that I'm doing. You have to learn to not be so emotionally invested in the way that you do something because the actions in which you do something to achieve a goal may need to change and be flexible with your life. When you're in more stressful times of life, you may need to be flexible with the things that you're doing. When you're in less stressful times of life, you may be able to endure different types of stressors that you may not have been able to before. Stress can be alcohol intake. Alcohol intake on your body is a stressor. I choose not to consume alcohol when my stress is high. I will drink alcohol when I'm relaxed, when I don't have any other stressors coming in. But when stress is high in our life, I you're probably not going to catch me having a drink because I know my body's not going to handle that the same as if stress was low. This is the same thing as certain foods that can impact you. Sometimes certain foods may not impact you at all. And other times they may heavily impact you. And this can heavily be related to stressors. If your gut is under a certain amount of stress, 
meaning there's some GI distress going on in there, whether it's a pathogen, whether it's a functional reason, whatever that reason could be, we can't know until we actually test it. But whatever that stressor is and you're experiencing GI distress and you add in foods that you may not respond well to, you're going to experience a much greater response to those things than you would if you weren't in that GI distress and your gut wasn't already under that stress. And that's why there's some people who can tolerate certain things and some people who can't because our stressors are very different. And the way that we can tolerate and respond to those stressors is very different. Stress is not just mental. It's also not just the workouts that you're applying to your body. It's the lack of a nutrient dense diet that you may or may not be consuming. If you're not eating enough vitamins and minerals for your body, that creates a stressful environment in your body. If you're not eating foods that your body was designed to receive those nutrients from the most, that may be a more stressful, so more highly processed forms of food can be more stressful on your system. Yes, you're getting calories, but you're also missing nutrients. And sometimes those things can be tougher to digestively break down and cause negative implications on the back end. So those can create stressors too. Doing things that are going to impact you hormonally can be stressors. So we have to also take into consideration the internal impacts of things and how our body is handling those stressors because of that too. And I like when Brooke spoke to everything that you're doing has the ability to be a stress on you, whether it's driving down the road, your alertness while you're driving down the road has, has implications on, on the stress that you're enduring. And so the best analogy I can speak to is, and I always speak to analogies, is imagine you were driving your car down the street, you cranked your stereo as loud as it could, you rolled down all the windows, you got on your phone and started having a conversation and you blasted your AC and you just floored it. You're coming up to a stoplight something's going to give. You're going to either turn on the radio, roll up your windows, put down the phone, something has to stop, or you're going to crash. Like something bad is going to happen. So this is what we're usually enduring on a daily basis is all these things interacting, but we don't, we're not sensing them until we get into a crash, until we have gut issues, until I have joint issues, until I can't sleep, until all these things arise. And then we're realizing, oh, I'm, I, I got into a crash. Now I have to figure this out. So it becomes identifying those stressors, especially the largest ones or the ones that have the greatest impact on you, seeing what we can do to implement as habits and or what we can look at either removing or substituting out or, or kind of just identifying as those stressors and then going about it in a systematic approach to see, okay, if I pull this one lever and I start doing somatic breath work twice a week, how does my stress feel throughout the rest of the week? And just kind of understanding how that's impacting your body, your brain, and just the rest of your life. I use analogies too, but I have a better one. Oh, go ahead. I'm excited now. <laughs> I just relate it to a cup of water. If you hold an empty cup, you can probably hold it for a pretty good amount of time. But every time, if you're slowly dripping water into that cup, you're going to be able to withstand holding that for a period of time until eventually you're only going to be able to hold it for so long before that cup of water that felt super light in the beginning starts to become really heavy and starts to become a greater stress on your body. So I want you to think of those things when it comes to chronic stressors. I, I always say like, it's tough to notice those chronic stressors because you live in your day to day. You live in your life. You have become adapted to those things. So we sometimes forget the impact that they're having on our body until 
we feel the impact of that chronic stress and we feel our hormones off or we feel our gut not handling foods as well, or we see weight gain starting to happen, or we have weight loss resistance. We're trying to lose weight and it's not happening, or we're not sleeping well at night, or we have anxieties. You know, all of these things are very related to the chronic stress setting in. So just go back to thinking of that cup of water is filling up and it's been slowly filling up until it's gotten to a point that you can no longer handle that chronic stress that's been getting poured into that cup and you can't hold it anymore and you need to find some ways to remove that water from the cup. So we're going to leave you with that. If this is something that is resonating with you and you're like, well, great, I feel like I have all of this, but I don't know what to do about all of this. If you are a male, Adam works with men in the same way that we work with women. He does the functional testing just like we do. He works with men in the same forms through nutrition, lifestyle, exercise practices. So Adam will be your go-to. I'll list his information below for our male clients or your partners, for those of you that are listening. And then for ladies, this is a good time to schedule a clarity call. Sit down on the phone and we can go through what do you have going on? What are you experiencing? And individually come up with a path for you so that you can correct those things. And if neither of those sound like something you need to do right now, and you're like, just give me some simple steps to take forward that I can start implementing on my own first, then there is a link below for you. We've created 10 simple things you can start to implement now to feel better in your everyday life. I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. And that's it for this episode on the Power of a Woman podcast. If any part of this episode resonated with you, I would greatly appreciate you giving it a review, sharing it on your social media and tagging me for another woman who may need to hear it too. If changing the narrative is something you're ready to take action on, my coaching programs are set up to help you do just that. We will address the nutrition, movement, lifestyle, stress, gut health, and hormonal needs that you individually have as a woman so that we can help you feel your absolute best and own your power too. Connect with me on Instagram at Brooke Razzie or head over to my website at brookrazzie.com to learn more.